the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You have been crucified to the world, and consequently, the world has been crucified to you. Do you live like it? Let's explore that dynamic here today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. ask you a simple question. How do you look at this world? Do you see it with all of its allure, all of its joys, or do you see it with contempt? As believers in Christ, we have a world we're looking forward to, one that makes this one pale in comparison. If we indeed have been crucified to this world, this world should be crucified to us, along with its desires, along with its allures. Welcome to Abounding Grace. Pastor Gary Wagner takes us back to Galatians once again, chapter 6, and we're focusing in on verses 11 through 18. It's there that we invite you to join us for today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Paul said, I've been crucified to the world, and the world has been crucified to me. If you've been crucified, are you still alive? No, you're dead. Say you've got a corpse. And you say, Mr. Corpse, I'll give you $2 million tax-free dollars if you commit a crime. It just lies there. Okay, I'll give you $3 million for just a little crime. He just lies there. All of your seductions, Mr. Corpse. You can even lie with this beautiful movie star who's not your wife and never get caught. Here she is. It has no Effect on him. He is dead. And that is the status of the Christian before he becomes a Christian. He does not allow himself, or or, I'm sorry, when he becomes a Christian, he does not allow himself to succumb to the allurements of this world. In fact, the allurements are distasteful to him. Now, he's not perfect. And there will be times in which he does succumb and it will break him and crush him. And he will seek forgiveness and run to Christ for renewed strength. But the basic course of his life is that this world holds no charm over him. Man in his rebellion against God, in all of his self-trust, in all of his offers of salvation and advance and security and wealth and ease and affluence by means of self-centered, self-absorbed, self-justifying lives are not even tasteful to him any longer. The allurements of this world are what they would be to a dead man. Another thing to bear in mind is what the world offers does not bring life and satisfaction and peace to those who accept the world's offers. Instead, accepting the offers of this world in itself is damnable. For the world and all of those tied to it are under the judgment of God. The person who lives for the world's applause and the world's glory, who sets his goals and his priorities by this man-worshipping world will perish with it 
when God comes to destroy it. As the Apostle Paul said in his first epistle, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him for all that is in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away. And also it's lust. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. Is there anyone here today, church member or visitor, to whom I must say, let loose, let loose. You play church on Sunday, but what do you really, what are you really looking for, for security and happiness in life? When you get down to the bottom line, what is it that you are seeking, sinking your hopes, your confidence, and your faith in to make it through this life and to have a happy life? There is nothing else in this world worth trusting and are living for than the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you think there is, it means you've never met him, beloved. When a person rests alone for salvation and bases his life on the cross of Christ, he is redeemed. He is delivered from the seductions of this world and its judgment. He is forgiven of his sins. He is saved from evil in God's judgment. And he will live forever with God because someone who trusts on Christ alone, who has been crucified to the world and the world has been crucified to him, understands that he has been saved from the destruction, this world of evil men. And destruction and the destruction he deserved, which the world will experience, is poured out on Christ in his place. But there is another side to all of this. When we say we have been crucified to the world and the world has been crucified to us. Because the cross of Jesus Christ and its effects on us, its sanctifying, regenerating, transforming effects on us. We as genuine believers in Jesus, like Jesus, become objects of contempt in the eyes of all those who love this world and put their trust and their hope in it. Now, don't be naive as you live this life. Don't think that this American culture, this world of America, with its worship of man, is a friendly environment for you and your children, either physically, morally, or spiritually. The world hates our doctrine of the cross. And when those who are committed to this world and trust in it implicitly and refuse to let loose of it and cherish it, see the effects of the cross of Christ displayed in the lives of those who rest upon that cross for salvation, they look upon you with contempt. Don't think that that's an exaggeration. The cross was and is an instrument of contempt. Do you think the world loves you? It's playing with you. Do you think the world is interested in you? And is out for your best interest? It is playing with you. Have you ever seen a shark, you know, in some of those National Geographic shows, playing with a baby seal, you know, nosing it around and throwing it up in the air, frolicking in the water with that cute little baby seal, and then chomp? The shark consumes it. If you're going to be faithful to Christ, uncompromising with this world, it will look upon you with contempt and try to devour you. I have said this before, and I hope you don't think I'm exaggerating, but you who have experienced the effects of the cross of Christ in your life are considered the real perverts in this American society. 
The world looks at you the way we look at sexual perverts. When you see a blatant, fiery homosexual, proud of his perversion, living a bold homosexual or lesbian lifestyle, if you are a Christian at all, with any sense of understanding, there is this feeling of repugnance and repulsion that fills your heart while you are looking at that man or that woman who has burned out, been burned out, says the scripture, by sexual perversion. That same feeling of repulsion. That you have when you see a pervert blatantly displaying his perversion is the way this world sees you who takes the cross of Christ seriously in your life. Because our belief in the cross of Christ and the application of all that that means in our lives, we are considered wackos by this American culture and by most of our elected officials. We were once the major influencers on this continent, economically, politically, morally. But now we have allowed ourselves to be pushed aside and are marginalized. We've been put on the periphery. And now those who are anti-Christian have become the major influencers of society. And if they can get us to look like the ones who are out of step with the world, the real perverts, then their job is done. Because of the cross of Christ and its effects on your life, you are looked upon by those who trust in this world with contempt, but the world becomes an object of contempt to you. You look upon the world with all of its loose lifestyles, its immorality, its lawlessness, its perversion, and as a true Christian, it makes you sick. You say, thank you, Lord, that I'm not a part of all that. I thank you that you have saved me from it. I'm not what I want to be. I still have to struggle with sinful desires my entire life. But Lord, that life that so many people crave makes me sick. It is contemptible to me. That's what God said he would do in his promise to Adam and Eve, remember? He said, I'm going to put hostility between the serpent and the woman. When they started out, there was a love in the beginning between man and woman and God and hostility toward the snake and evil. Then the man and the woman sinned, and it got all reversed. Hostility of man and woman toward God and love between the man and the woman and evil. But God steps into the picture with sovereign, almighty grace and says, I'm going to change all that. I'm going to put hostility between the man, between the woman and the serpent. And I'm going to take that love that the woman and the man has for the serpent and for evil. And I'm going to take it out of there and put hostility and hatred for it instead. And I'm going to take that hostility that sinful man and woman have for me. And I'm going to replace it with love for me. Beloved, that is the new birth. That is recreation. And once the Lord recreates you, you look upon this world of sinners as God does with absolute contempt. That is true of all new creations, all Christians. You see, we not only have a war within us between the remnants of that old life that remains and the Holy Spirit and the new life that he has given us, but we live in the midst of a war. We live in the midst of a culture we hate. Do you think this American culture is still a Christian culture? This American culture is the world. This American culture today, which is the world, looks upon you with contempt. Al Gore in his book, Earth in Balance, said, 
The greatest threat to the survival of our environment and the human race is Bible-believing Christians. But you know, there's no way to survive as a Christian. Other way to survive as a Christian. Be grateful that the world looks upon you with contempt. Be grateful that God has given you a contemptuous attitude toward the world because that is the only way that you are going to survive. That is the only way your children are going to survive. If God didn't place contempt between us and the world, we would just succumb outside of Christ. We'd give in. Every time the world would allure us by its seductions in our path, we would just fall right into their traps as well as our children. Praise God for this contempt we have for the world and the contempt the world has for us. Oh, it's not always enjoyable. It will lead to sexual or to physical persecution. I believe of the church and of Christians in the not too distant future. But without the contempt we and the world have for each other, you and I, even as Christians, are so weak and sinful, we would never survive. We would not survive without Christ. And yet we've been promised victory over this evil world. How do you look at the world? Do you look at the world with contempt or when you see on TV and the movies and read in books and magazines how the world lives and what the world does and how the world dresses, where the world goes? Do you just kind of feel maybe a little excitement? Well, I would say I would like to try it just a little. Or does it make you sick? We have been crucified to the world. And the world has been crucified to us. Now, what else did Paul mean when he said in verse 14, but may it never be that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have seen what it meant when he said, by the cross of Christ, I have been crucified to the world and the world has been crucified to me. But what did it mean when he said, God forbid that I should ever boast in anything whatsoever except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said something similar in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 30 and 31. But by God's doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. So why did Paul boast in the Lord? Why did he say, far be it from me, God forbid, that I should boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you three quick reasons. He knew, first of all, that the cross of Christ was the basis of his redemption and reconciliation and regeneration. He knew that without the cross of Christ, he was damned. He knew that without the, cro the cross of Christ, he would be separated from the love and the goodness of God throughout all eternity. And all he would ever receive is greater and greater hardness of heart and more and more of the wrath of God. He knew his only hope for being justified with God and standing in his favor was the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died in his place. So because he understood what the cross of Christ was, he boasted in it and said, God forbid that I should boast in anything else because it is by the bloody cross that the gospel of the cross that is so offensive to so many and seems so barbaric and primitive and so inhumane that all of my hope of a right standing with God is based 
So God forbid that I should boast in anything else. There's a second reason for his saying that, and that is because he knew that the cross of Christ was a revelation of God's glorious perfections. If you want to know more about God, look at the cross of Christ and meditate on that cross because there where the Lord Jesus Christ died, you have this tremendous display of the perfections of God, his wisdom, to think up such a way by where he would not have to compromise his justice and yet at the same time be merciful to sinners. His wisdom that he could work out things in such a way that his people receive the most blessings and he receives the most glory in the face of all this depravity and sinful corruption. You see, in the cross of Christ, the display of God's justice, his justice demanded satisfaction, and Jesus satisfied that justice. You see the display of his mercy. God wanted him to come to rescue the miserable. You see the display of God's grace. God coming to their rescue even though they didn't deserve it. You see the display of his love coming and bringing sinners into fellowship with himself. You see the display of his omnipotence, his almighty unlimited power, able to overcome all the power of sin and death. And you see the great display of his sovereignty, having mercy upon whom he will have mercy, and having compassion upon whom he will have compassion. The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ is a display of God's glorious perfections. And if you want to know God better, look at the cross And when you look at the cross, you will say with Paul, God forbid that I should boast in anything else. But Paul also understood what Christ, what Jesus said. And that is the third reason why he glorified in the cross. And it is because the cross, Jesus said, is like a magnet. Jesus said in John 12, in reference to his death, if I be lifted up on the cross, I will draw all kinds of people to myself. All of the powers of hell, all the powers of sin are trying to keep them in slavery. But I will break all those chains and I will powerfully and irresistibly draw them to myself out of their bondage into freedom and into fellowship with me. And that is why Paul said, God forbid that I should glory in anything else but the cross of Christ. But how do you glory in the cross of Christ? How do you boast in it? What is it to boast in it? We see why Paul boasted in it, but how did he? He says, far be it from me to boast except in the cross of Christ. What does it mean to boast in the cross of Christ, to glory in the cross of Christ? Well, let me teach you just this little Greek lesson. In Greek, that of which you boast is that in which you trust. If you boast in riches, you are trusting in riches to give you meaning and purpose and security in life. If you boast in your ingenuity and your ability to survive in this world, you are trusting in yourself. If you boast in wisdom and knowledge, it means you are trusting in your education to get you through in this life. Whatever you boast in, that is what you are trusting in. So to boast in the Christ, to boast in the cross is to trust in it. Far be it from me, Paul says, to boast in and trust in anything else for my standing with God except 
in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. So to boast in that cross is to surrender ourselves to Christ crucified and risen as our Lord and Savior. To rest alone in him for salvation. And to submit ourselves to his rule and his government. To glory and boast in the cross is to pray that the power of Christ may more and more assert itself in our lives. Conforming us more and more into his image. And bringing us more and more into a close relationship with him. And drawing to a close, I want to take the time to read to you Philippians 3. And if you have your Bible, please turn there with me. To glory in the cross is to pray that the power of the crucified risen Christ might assert itself more and more into our lives and make us more and more Christ-like. Philippians chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 7 through 14. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. And may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching toward what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Someone who boasts in the cross, And trust in the cross for his salvation as someone who is constantly praying, Lord, I want to experience more of the power of Christ's resurrection. I want all the attractions of this evil world to be dimmer and dimmer so that I might count them as rubbish compared to knowing Christ. I want to know what it is to join in the fellowship of his sufferings I want to know what it is to have the zeal and the diligence to press on toward the mark, to leave everything else behind and to make my own purpose the preaching of the goal, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. To boast in the cross of Christ is to bear witness to Christ crucified because his love constrains us to do so. Someone who trusts in the cross is someone who talks about it. Someone who wants other people to know about it. Some people, because of the effects of that cross in his life, want other people to feel the effects of that cross in their lives because he knows what the alternative is. So someone who glories in the cross talks about it. He thanks God for it. He shares it with those people who are still dead in their trespasses and sins. And someone who glories in the cross and boasts in it is someone who defends the gospel of the Christ whenever it is under attack, whenever it is being compromised, whenever it is being ridiculed, however politically incorrect it may be to do so, and at whatever price we have to pay. Are you boasting only in the cross? 
Are you surrendering yourself to the living Christ who was once crucified there? Are you praying that the power of the crucified and risen Christ may more and more be asserted in your life? Do you want to share in the fellowship of his sufferings? Are you bearing witness of Christ crucified and risen to those who are lost in their sins? Do you feel constrained by his love to share the gospel with those who are lost? Do you long for Christ to use you to draw some poor lost sinner to himself? Do you offend the gospel of the cross when it's under attack? Is Christ worth it for you? Or is there something more valuable in your life than he? Amen. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408 Eight six six five six zero seven. We thank you for joining us, and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.